0: Today, we invite you to join Bishop Robert Barron as he preaches the gospel and shares the warmth and light of Christ with each one of us. Peace be with you, and a blessed Palm Sunday to everybody. You know, I want to focus today on that little gospel that we read as the procession commences. You know, on Palm Sunday, we process in with the palm branches, and just before that, a gospel is proclaimed. So usually I've preached on the, uh, the great passion readings that are given on Palm Sunday, but I was struck, especially this year, by that opening gospel. Many years ago, I saw the mass card of a young man who was about to be ordained to the priesthood. On the front was a, a picture I don't remember, but on the back was a single line. You know how often you have a little uh, theme or a little motto on the back of the card? This was a single line. The master has need of it, dot, dot, dot. The master has need of it. It's a line that can be found in the gospel that we proclaim at the beginning of mass today, before the procession with palms. And you know what the setting is. It's Jesus' instructions to the disciples, whom he's sending into Jerusalem to prepare for his triumphal entry. They are told to untether a donkey, and if there's any protest from the owner, is you know it's like stealing someone's car today, so you're just you're taking the, the animal. If the owner protests, they are to say simply, the master has need of it. Now, I remember this years ago, but I thought, what a wonderful model for a priest on the day of his ordination. First, it signaled the humility of the one who was being called, you know, it's I've been to a lot of priests' first masses, and there's always this danger of, uh, you know, ego inflation, and, hey, it's my big day, and look at me. And we talk about some guys uh, preparing to come in on the back of an elephant. And, you know, so the first mass can become quite an ego <laughs> boost. But this fellow was implying, hey, I- I'm, I'm like a donkey. I'm, I'm not coming in on elephant back. I- I'm this humble animal that's made for work. Not very graceful. You know, donkey's not like a beautiful racehorse or like a, a leopard or something. this sort of humble, ungraceful animal, unlikely to draw attention to itself. And even, I love this on the card, the use of the very impersonal pronoun it. The master has need of it. Secondly, I love the placing of the priest's life utterly in the context of what the master needs what he was saying was his life did not belong to him anymore he was saying i've i put aside my own projects and career plans and expectations and he was living to willing to live in accord with the needs of christ he was announcing from this day forward I am an instrument of Christ's purposes. Period. The Master has need of it. Period. Well, this is true in a unique way of a priest, but listen, it's also true of any baptized follower of Jesus. You know, baptism is described as a character sacrament, holy orders too, and confirmation, meaning that it permanently marks you. I remember a wonderful priest, he's gone to God now, but gave our retreat when our deacon class was getting ready for priesthood ordination. And he said, like it or not, you will always be a priest. If you do something bad, you'll be the bad priest. You fall from grace, you'll be the fallen priest. You leave the priesthood, you'll be an ex-priest. His point was, like it or not, you're going to be marked. And indeed, the Greek word, character which stands behind character means literally brand. Think about that a brand like the brand a rancher would put on his cattle signaling that they belong to him. And you know stay with that so that we got the donkey the master is in need of it. A cattle, a cow on, on a ranch will exist not for itself it exists purely for the rancher. And that's why he's marked with a brand. That's what baptism does to you. All of you listening to me right now who are baptized, confirmed, maybe some listening are in holy orders, all of those are branding sacraments. The Master owns you, and he has need of you. Paul says famously, you are not your own. Spend the rest of your life plumbing the depths of that little line. I've said over and over again, your life is not about you. It's a phrase I learned many years ago. making the same point. state with that phrase again, has need of it. Strictly speaking, God has no need of, of anything. He's the unconditioned active existence if we can use philosophical terminology. God doesn't need our praise or our good works or anything. So, in fact, everything we have is from him, and so you wonder, well, what does that mean, that the Master has need of you? Well, it signals the wonderful truth that God allows us to cooperate with his grace so that we can participate in the work that he wants us to do. He gives us what Thomas Aquinas called the dignity of causality. I've always loved that little phrase. God's the universal cause of all things, the first cause, but God allows us to participate in a derivative way, in his own causality. We are privileged to be instruments in his hands so that we can get some of the joy that he gets from his providential guidance of the world. And see, once we get this, everything changes. Customarily, we think that our talents and abilities are for us. Using them, we can get into a good university. We can land a great job. We can make ample amounts of money. We can attract friends and a spouse. These gifts are ours. They're meant to serve our purposes, right? That's how, you know, the fallen world things. But now, turn it around. Begin to think that whatever you have is from Christ and for Christ. It was given to you so that you might serve his purposes. So ask yourself, if you're a smart person, why are you so smart? How come you're smarter than most of your peers? Oh boy, it's just it's lucky and it's great. It means I can I can outperform them on the SAT and get into a better university and land a better job and get rich. And hmm. Did it ever occur to you it might be so that you can use your mind to serve the Lord as Thomas Aquinas did, as Augustine did? No, 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 it's for the SAT. Hmm. <laughs> what if it's not really for the SAT? or for MIT, or for the best job. It's so that you can serve the Lord quietly, humbly, with your mind. Do you ever talk to people who are um, tutors of young kids who have a hard time learning to read? People who help others prepare for their exams, quietly, without fanfare, without a lot of uh, remuneration. What if that's why you have the mind that you do? Why are you so good with people? Oh, I'm I'm so happy with that because it, it makes me uh, I'm friendly. People like me, and so I get ahead. I get a lot of opportunities. Huh? Did ever occur to you that Christ gave you that capacity so that He might use it to bring sinners to Himself, to foster conversion? Why Why do we have this nice personality? I I mean, it was given to me as a gift. Maybe my purpose is to use it because the master has need of it. How come you're so good with kids? Maybe you're real comfortable around children. They respond to you very readily. Ever occur to you that you're meant to use this gift as Don Bosco did? Why do you seem to have the gift of courage? Maybe from the time you were a little kid, you were the first one to try new things risk danger, to withstand the criticism of others. No, I don't know. It's just a, it's a nice personality quality. Yeah. Did it ever occur to you that you might be called to use that courage precisely to defend and to spread the faith? Try spreading the faith sometime in our culture and defending it. Believe me, you'll get a lot of uh, slings and arrows. Maybe your courage is meant to give you the capacity to do just that because the master has need of you. Maybe you've got some of the spirit of the martyrs, of Felicity and Perpetua, of Lawrence, of Thomas More, and your courage is meant to be used for evangelical purposes. How come you're such a good teacher? Maybe you got that gift. Believe me, you're not going to make a lot of money exercising it. Perhaps you're meant to open up the faith to those who otherwise would never get it. Perhaps you're meant to use your teaching skill as Ignatius of Loyola did, as Fulton Sheen did in the 20th century. How come you seem to have such a sympathy for the poor and the forgotten? You know, I've known people all my life who just have a feel for the marginalized or even for the, you know, the wounded animal or for the, you know, the the poor kid who's getting no attention. There are people that have a sympathy that seems to be built into them. Why are you bothered especially by injustice? Well, maybe you're meant to use that gift, precisely as Mother Teresa did, precisely as Vincent de Paul did. Let's go back to the donkey who was untied in order to do his service. We are tied to so many things, everybody, that we think are important money and job and status and the esteem of others and all of this stuff. And we think, oh, we're so cool, we have these great things. But you know what? They are tying you down. Every one of them is tying you to a kind of stake. What a wonderful moment when somebody comes along at the master's bidding and unties you from all that is limiting you precisely so that you can do the Lord a service. A service that might be embarrassing in the eyes of the world. A service that might not be at all what you wanted or expected. But trust me, when that untying happens, that'll be the turning point of your life. Untied from these worldly things, you can find your true freedom. You can find out who you are meant to be. In fact, everybody, I would say the greatest moment of your life will be the moment that you realize that the Master has need of you, that the Master has a plan for you, that the Master has created you to serve his purposes. In that moment, you find your real freedom. And God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's homily from Bishop Robert Barron. For more resources from Bishop Barron, please visit wordonfire.org.